This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call, the fifth day of August 2022. Beautiful day down here in the southeast. Hope it's nice where you are. I know the heat is cranking up around the country again. Um, Coming up this morning, uh, Dan Zampano is going to join us this morning. The NFL kicked off its season last night. It's the uh, Hall of Fame game between the Raiders and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, so that means Dan Zampano is going to start joining us every week as he does during the NFL season. And I'm excited about that. It was great to talk to him. Uh, We taped this interview last night. He has an internship this year. Uh, He's working on his uh, master's degree at Liberty uh, University, and he's got an internship with the football team there. So he's got to be at football practice uh, on Friday morning. So at least for the next few weeks, we're going to be taping our interviews with Dan until uh, things Uh, quiet down with him there but we taped it last night so we'll have that coming up here in about uh, 20 minutes uh, or so Um, Red Sox last night Um, actually before we get to the Red Sox the other news from last night that uh, came out or actually was I guess it was late yesterday afternoon Brittany Griner the U.S. women's basketball player uh, was convicted in a Russian court got nine years in jail now we all know that she's not going to serve that this is I mean you know again she was dumb you know I don't you know I don't care whether she says that you know she packed in a hurry and she wasn't paying attention yada yada. I don't care at the end of the day you're going to another country you have to be very careful so she was she was wrong the Russians are making a big deal out of less than one gram of cannabis oil it's you know they're this is all about this is all about politics and everybody in the world knows it including the Russians. I mean, you know, they're not fooling anybody. Um, But we know she's not going to serve that time. The U.S. and the Russians have already begun negotiations, and we're going to let their arms dealer go and get her back and uh, another guy that's being held for spying over there from the United States. Um, But the funny part was is the Russians said, well, um, you know, we we have to keep these. This has to be done quietly. Well, nothing gets done quietly. I mean, the Russians are like, well, you ha- we have to do this with no publicity. <laughs> you can't take a walk around the block if you're anybody these days and do it with no publicity. Can you? Right? I mean, this has already been all over the news, so it's, you know, it's, again, it's just the Russians being the Russians and, uh, uh you know, and, and hopefully they'll get her out of there soon. And, I mean, it's just ridiculous. It really is. I mean, she was a dope, but at the same time, it's just ridiculous. Um, Red Sox last night. Um, look, I think it might be time to face the music that the Red Sox, uh, despite the, you know, by straddling the line the way they did at the trade deadline and, you know, uh, got better in some areas, got worse in other areas. Um, It might be time to recognize that it ain't going to work. Here's part of the problem. Um, I I don't understand sometimes what the Red Sox are trying to do with their bullpen. They brought Darwins and Hernandez back up from the minor leagues yesterday. Look, I know that he supposedly has all this great stuff, but let me tell you something. I've watched Darwin's and Hernandez pitch now for a few years, and with the exception of like one or two outings, this guy is garbage. He's thrown he's thrown in five games for the Red Sox this year. He's thrown five and two-thirds innings. Last night, he comes in, you know, and the bullpen's tired. I get that. They've had to use him a lot lately, and Nick Pavetta can only give him five. Pavetta was was not great last night. Gave up three runs in five innings, seven hits. 
Matt Barnes comes out of the bullpen. Hallelujah. You get a scoreless innings out of Matt Barnes, and you're thinking, all right, you know, the bats aren't aren't doing anything, but, you know, maybe the bullpen can keep him in this. Well, they bring in Hernandez and just brutal. They bring him in to start an inning to face two left-handers. You bring a lefty out of the bullpen to face two left-handers. What does he do? He walks the first guy and gives up a single to the next guy. You got runners on first and third and nobody out. So he can't get the lefties out, and they let him face Sal Perez because they have to because you got to face three batters, and Perez hits a home run. Now, I know it was a disputed home run. It looked like it hit the foul pole. It actually looked like it hit below the foul pole. Um and maybe hit the padding there. Um, so, and Alex Cora freaked out. He ends up getting thrown out of the game. But at the end of the day, whether it was a home run or whether it was a double, the other two runs are going to score, and Perez is going to be on second base with nobody out anyway. So it's not like that was the difference in the game. But Hernandez comes in, and he's just brutal. So he's up four runs. He's got an ERA of 14, and they'll probably run him out there again this week. It might be better if they just shoot him into the sun. Look, the kid's 25 years old, and maybe the best thing for Durwins and Hernandez is a change of scenery. Maybe, you know, maybe he needs to go to Oakland or uh, Pittsburgh or somewhere where nobody cares. Or maybe just a different voice will help this kid. You know, I don't care how hard you throw. If you can't throw strikes and, and you're going to be human batting practice, then get him to hell out. I mean, he doesn't belong there. You know, so, and the Red Sox bats last night. Look, you scored two runs in the first inning, right? Two right. Tommy Pham gets another hit since he comes to Boston. Raffy Devers gets a two-run single. Thank God for Raffy Devers. Honest to God, pay the man, pay him whatever he wants, but thank God for Rafi Devers. Um, and then you give up those two runs right away in the bottom of the inning. <laughs> uh, you know, look, give the Royals credit. And, you know, look, it was great for them. They needed Sal Perez back. He was a big part of that team. You know, he is the heart and soul of that line. They don't have anybody else, folks. Uh, you know, they got nobody else. I mean, Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be a good player, but he's still, you know, a rookie. But after an awful start, he's been coming around. He's hitting, I think, I think he's hitting close to 260 now. You know, but they got a lot of young kids. This kid Melendez looks like he can be a player. He had a couple of hits last night. I guess he's got some pop. They said he hit the ball pretty – he's got – he showed some power in the minors. Um. If you're the Red Sox, you're there for a four-game series against a team that is going absolutely nowhere. And I'm sorry, Eric Braun, who's a Kansas City Royal fan, my, my buddy from uh, the Boys of Summer podcast. They're 42-64. and 64. They're 22 games under 500. If you're the Red Sox, you've got to come in there and you've got to sweep that four-game series. You have to. Well, now, you know, you've got to win the next three. But you're throwing Josh Winkowski out there. Now, look, Winkowski's been really good lately. You know, he's been better than he was early. He, he's been a gamer. He's going up against Zach Greinke. Greinke, is, his better days are behind him. But Zach Greinke's one of these guys, he throws a lot of crap. You know, he really does. He throws junk. And sometimes those guys are the hardest guys to hit off of. So I'm not, I'm, I worry whether the Red Sox bats are going to be able to, to, to generate any offense off of them either. Off of him either. So, Red Sox now four games out of the wild card. Four back. And now they've got the White Sox, Cleveland, Baltimore, Tampa ahead of them. They're a game behind the White Sox, two behind Cleveland, two behind Baltimore. Baltimore! Two behind Baltimore! Unbelievable. It just it was about as frustrating as, as as I've been in a long time last night. You know, I just I fully when they scored two runs in the top of the first inning, I went, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Nick Pavetta has been spotty at best. So 
It's just, uh, I think it's time. I, I don't want to, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I, I and, and I say that I, it maybe it's time, but tonight I'm going to be rooting just as much as I did last night. But man, I tell you, it might be time to be realistic about things, and this team is going nowhere. And I don't know what Heim Bloom's plan is. I'm Pedro Martinez said he doesn't even know what the Red Sox plan is. Um. But, you know, it, it may be time to play taps. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. The Toronto Blue Jays aren't getting caught. They win again yesterday. They beat the Twins 9-3. to The Twins taking on water in a bad way. Uh, Toronto has won 12 of the last 15. Alec Manoa, another huge start for them last night. Manoa picked up his 12th win of the season. And the Minnesota Twins, who made a bunch of moves at the deadline, all of a sudden, in trouble. Just a game ahead of the Guardians. They're lucky that Cleveland lost yesterday, and you know that's the one thing that's been a saving grace for the Twins is every time they lose, Cleveland loses. Uh, but the Blue Jays will uh, send out Jose Barrios today, 8-4. ZRA's a little high, but he's been pretty good the last couple of times out. Uh, Tyler Molly is going to make his Twins debut today. He was acquired at the trade deadline from Cincinnati for a few prospects. Uh, in 19 starts for the Reds, he was 5-7 and seven with a 4-4-0 ERA. So uh, he will try to right the ship for them today. Um, big series in uh, New York. The New York Mets in first place in the NL East, taking on the Atlanta Braves, and the Mets take game one in that series. And this is this is a big one. Uh, the Mets extend their lead now to four and a half games. The Mets have won nine of the last ten. Tyler Naquin, who they got uh, at the trade deadline from Cincinnati, two home runs last night. Edwin Diaz, first time in his career, gets a two-inning save. Uh, Alonzo with a home run. Daniel Vogelbach, who got acquired by the Mets, also another home run. Uh, Carlos Carrasco picks up his 12th win. Uh, the Mets are cruising right now. Uh, Ian Anderson's going to try to stop the bleeding today, but he'll face Taiwan Walker. Taiwan Walker's 9-2 with a 2.79 ERA, and Ian, Ian Anderson has struggled. He's got an ERA of damn near five. Um, you know, the Mets at one point had a 10.5 game lead in this, and, you know, Atlanta made it interesting. They got it as close as three. If the Mets take care of business here and win three out of four in this series, they could put uh, Atlanta in a uh, in their rearview mirror and maybe be able to cruise a little bit. Uh, Philadelphia Phillies take advantage of uh, the Atlanta loss. They crawl within five games of Atlanta. Noah Syndergaard wins his debut with the uh, Philadelphia Phillies. It was a rain-shortened game. Syndergaard wasn't great, let's be honest. I mean, he pitched five innings. He gave up 11 hits and four runs. Uh, but uh, Espino got the start for... The Nationals, he was worse. So Syndergaard is lucky. Uh, he picks up the win despite stinking. Uh, Reese Hoskins with a home run. Alec Bohm with a home run. Um, and uh, the Phillies, again, absolute right move firing Joe Girardi. I didn't like the move at the time, but, boy, they have been, uh, they have been hot as a firecracker since then. Uh, they have won eight of their last ten. So the Phillies getting themselves uh, closer and closer to making the playoffs. And, again, they were active at the trade deadline to try to get themselves into playoff position. And right now they sit uh, about five games back. But when you look at the wild card right now, it's insane. You know, St. Louis and Milwaukee, one of those teams, they're tied in the NL Central. So one of them is a wild card. Atlanta is the next wild card. San Diego would be the third wild card. And Philly is actually uh, only two and a half behind San Diego for that last wild card. But I don't know if anybody's catching the Padres. Uh, we we all know the, all the moves that they made with Juan Soto coming over to uh, to the Padres. Uh, although they did get beat by Colorado yesterday, bit of a surprise. But that was a five game series. San Diego took four out of the five games against Colorado. Uh, and one more game to talk about. How about this? How bad has the season been for the Angels? How about yesterday, the Angels hit seven home runs. Seven! And they lost. They lose 8-7 to the 
to the Oakland Athletics. All seven home runs are solo homers. Shohei Otani hit two of them. Uh, the Angels become the first team in Major League history to hit seven solo home runs in a game and score no other runs in a game. They're also, by the way, the sixth team to hit seven homers in a game and lose. Think about this. On May the 15th, the Angels were 24 and 13. They were tied with the Houston Astros for first place in the AL West. Since then, 20 and 48. There's 17 games under 500. That's one of those cases where they fired their manager and it backfired. They've been worse since firing Joe Madden. Man, I'll tell you what a brutal, brutal franchise that is right now. It is 21 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to run the interview I uh, had with Dan Zampano last night. We're going to talk some NFL football. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country, which will make my life very easy in the morning. All right, you ready to go? Rock and roll. All right, in three, two, one. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call and... Preseason football has started, so that means one thing. It means Dan Zampano is back, and people have been dying for me to get you back on the air, Zampano. It is unbelievable telling people telling me how much they enjoy our banter. So it is time to banter. Are you ready? I guess so. Let's give the people what they want, Gene. It's good to be back in NFL season. All right. Uh, we got to start with probably the – let's start with the distasteful stuff and, and get that out of the way, uh, and that's Deshaun Watson. Mm. Um, so he gets six games by the, uh, the arbiter that they had and, uh, which by the way, I thought was a little light considering there's been guys that have done far less that have gotten far bigger suspensions, but be that as it may get six games, NFL decides, no, that's not enough. So now they're appealing and Roger Goodell gets to pick who he wants to, to hear this appeal. Basically. It not the fix in the bag here? Isn't this like Deshaun Watson has to know now that his suspension is going to be longer than six games? Yeah, I mean, I think there's two sides to this, obviously. Um, there's the fan side that really only, and by fans I mean every fan base except for the Browns. Right. Um, <laughs> that side um, uh, that has to kind of more deal with how could you possibly – find him under wrongdoing uh and, and this this former judge can find him having committed uh personal conduct issues within the team and and within the nfl's guidelines yet only render this uh suspension and that is what kind of boggles my mind about this is i mean we've had players in the past that have had these same exact uh issues um with maybe one two people that were that were filing lawsuits against them. Right. This guy has 24, right. one of which, by the way, has not been settled yet. Right. So, right. I mean, you do not have to be convicted in a criminal court or, or, or uh, arraigned in a criminal court in order to get an NFL conduct policy discipline. Right. I mean, I, I don't understand what people don't understand about that um, on the other side. But I think the fans in the league uh, really – look at it and say, and Robert Kraft also, I mean, if you saw his statement about it, he, he kind of put it very bluntly. He said, uh, it's, it's a disgrace. It's a joke that, that, that would be the judge's ruling on this case. So completely understand that. Now, if you're a Browns fan, you could say, well, there have been guys, uh, that have, you know, never been convicted and have gotten less punishment and done the same thing. And they've gotten less punishment. And to me, I say to that, well, just because they've done it wrong in the past does not mean they have to continue doing it wrong. Right. Um, you know, that's that's the whole thing. And then their other argument is, well, it's it's a fixed game because Goodell gets to decide who uh, hears the appeal. Right. And you know, Goodell himself has already recused himself from hearing the appeal, right. and they've hired the ex New Jersey Attorney General, from what I understand. Correct. So uh, they'll hear the appeal, but now this is going to go on. I mean, now now we have a a year long battle in the court system, pretty much akin to what we saw with Tom Brady when he was suspended and then won his appeal, 
in the Minnesota State Court and then eventually in, uh, in the U.S. Circuit Court was it upheld the NFL's decision. So this could go on for a very, very long time. And uh, right now, the only people that pay uh, for this whole show is the victims of this whole situation. Right. And, and what? Because clearly, you know. Go ahead. Uh, I'm just going to say, I just said clearly, A, there's one open case, and B, we have settlements across the board. Do, do you think that all of those 23, 24 were legitimate? Maybe, maybe not. I'm sure there might be a few there that are just looking for a money grab, but I'm sure there are at least a few there that are legitimate and true. And, and you know, that that's where we're at. In, in a federal court, obviously they didn't find that, but what I'm saying, I guess, is that we don't really need the federal court's opinion anymore rendered into this whole thing. We know that there was something happened, right. and there was conduct found by a judge, and he needs to be punished for it, and the punishment right now doesn't fit the crime at all. Yeah, and that's, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things I've always said about this, whether they're all uh, legit or not. Where there is smoke, there is fire, right? I mean, you just, like you said, if it was one person and it was a he said, she said, that's one thing. The 24, uh, they said versus he said, <laughs> there's something There's something wrong there. So um, so while this goes on and they, they have the appeal, and then if the Players Association decides they want to sue and take this to court, I mean, Deshaun Watson continues to get to play, correct? I mean, this could go on for quite a while. I mean, how fast are they going to be able to, to, to get this done? Uh, if you know anything about the United States court system, it's not fast at all. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, but, you know, I, I, that's the thing is, you know, Sean Watson in his contract says that this year his base salary will be $690,000. Uh, and that really was done because they did not want him to lose out on a ton of money being suspended for this year. Right. The Browns were willing to accept. An even more egregious thing for the Browns to do is to protect this guy's money to do this and sign them, sign him when they knew that this was a possibility. Yep. And give him, and, and let alone, I mean, that alone is fine. He has the first guaranteed, full guaranteed contract in NFL history. Him. Him, of all people. This guy. Right. I mean, of all people, I mean, it is ludicrous what the Browns organization, you know, decided to do on this. It's ludicrous all around. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. That's that's uh, that's NFL litigation number one. Litiga- litigation number two is uh, they recently came down hard on Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross and fined him a million and a half bucks uh, and suspended him for t- trying to tamper with Tom Brady and Sean Payton. You know, we've talked about what a mess the Cleveland Browns are for as long as you, as you and I have been talking. The Miami Dolphins are a close second. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to hear any more. I don't want to hear any more from Dolphins fans about Patriot cheating and whatever they want to talk about. Right. Because uh, I'll tell you something right now. that They are the absolute... Uh, under the table weasels of this entire league, right? And Stephen Ross is living proof of that. Obviously, with the tampering of Brady uh, while he was with New England and Tampa. I mean, it's not like they stopped doing it. And let alone the idea that the lawsuit in with Brian Flores is still going on, and the NFL investigating, finding out about this stuff through Brian Flores's, uh, you know, lawsuit. So this is a whole crazy situation. I know they found that. That the the one hundred thousand uh, dollar bribe to lose games and the tank was was apparently not credible. But you know who knows what goes on uh, you know behind closed doors in that organization and them and, and it, it just seems like it's a, it's a loser organization now. It's a loser organization with with a guy who just only cares about money and power and that's pretty much the whole way that it's gone. Stephen Ross has been that way for a long time and really likes to throw money at a lot of problems without actually fixing the situation. And Brian Flores, to be honest, I thought they made a great hire. He was fixing the situation, and they clearly something happened where, you know, there was some type of issue with Brian Flores and his interview process after he was done. And maybe the Dolphins were involved in it, too. Who knows? I mean, 
I don't want to throw out any speculations. I don't want to throw out anything that might might you know, defame anybody. But like you said before, where there's smoke, there's fire, and the Dolphins have clearly, uh, you know, been a team that likes to you know bend the rules a little bit. Yeah, and you know, it was interesting too. Of course, the first you know, well, the first person they're going to run to when this whole thing comes down is Bill Belichick, and Belichick doesn't want to hear it. He really, I mean, I you know, I think it's it's. Bill Belichick's got to be saying enough with the Brady already. Can we just move on? And it just seems he it just seems like just when it looks like the Patriots are ready to completely move on from Tom Brady, something else comes up. He's got to be going. What what did I do wrong to, to, to have this happen? I mean, it's it's it's. Um, I'll tell you what, and and you you made a good point. The Dolphins looked like they were on the way up. They looked like they were going to be one of those that you know they were going to be a contender in the in in their division, and now, hell, they may finish behind the Jets. They're such a mess. Yeah, uh, I, I think people are overestimating, and and the idea that you know Tyreek Hill is going to save everything, right, and make everything totally fine. I mean, talk about another guy that you have to deal with with a gigantic ego. ego yeah. I mean, and, and, and by the way, um, you still have to throw him the ball, and you still have to play defense, and you still have to you know, do all the little things correct that the Dolphins just never do. They just try to – they think maybe that they're you know, trying to be the Rams, and they have that situation where they're just going to throw money at every problem. Guess what? You don't have Sean McVay as your head coach. Right. Sorry. It just, like, it's from the top down. Uh, and it starts with Stephen Ross and Chris Greer and all those guys in the front office. And until they actually change the culture of the Dolphins, they're never going to be a franchise. They're honestly more like I, I look at them more like a better version of Washington. Ooh, that's what I look at them. Ooh, uh, yeah. Well, yes, yeah, slightly better, only because their owner is slightly better than Daniel Snyder, I guess. Yeah, let's not. Well, it's interesting you brought up Tyreek Hill because a lot of what I wanted to talk about today was, was uh, a lot of wide receiver news. And, and with Tyreek Hill, one of the funniest things I heard, I think it might be the most ludicrous comment I've heard ever from an NFL uh, player. When he got to Miami, he start first of all, he starts kind of dissing what's going on in Kansas City, right? Which, number one, you're like, really, dude? Really? But number two, he made the comment that Tua – is a more accurate passer than Mahomes. I almost spit my coffee out when I read that quote. I mean, I don't, I don't understand. He can't really believe that, can he? I don't know. Maybe he was. Maybe he's he's so fast that he like he forgets his brain places. His body goes over. <laughs> I mean, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just. I'm just. I'm just maybe throwing a theory out there. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it sounds like there were, and, and the rumblings are, that there were more issues in Kansas City than anybody had ever let on to about Tyreek Hill, which really doesn't surprise me considering Tyreek Hill's past. So, um, you know, he's a great player, and he's probably, I would characterize him as the most dangerous weapon in all of football. Um, but he is who he is. He's very egomaniacal, and... Uh, you know, that's what they're going to have to deal with. You can bring in guys. I mean, it's like, you know, the Dolphins have brought in guys like this in the past, like Indomitian Sue, and I think they brought in Albert Hainsworth a long time ago, and, and guys like that that are great players, but, you know, they have issues sometimes. Right. And, you know, Indomitian Sue is clearly a great player. You know, he's just competitive, but, you know, back then he was, Dirty. you know, had, had a little bit of attitude problem. Yeah, that would be... That would be the way to describe it. So, Harry killed one of those players, you know. So, uh, that's why I say, you know, people can hype up the idea that you got J- Jalen Waddle and Diary Kill, and that's a lot of speed and this and that. Well, who's throwing the ball and who's blocking for him <laughs> and who's playing defense? Right, right. Like, yeah. come on. Like, we're seriously just going to look at like I, this is what is wrong with the NFL and the social media and the whole hyping up of teams. Guess what? In August, everybody's the best team in the league. Right. Like everybody's everybody's winning the Super Bowl in August, isn't it? I mean, it's just the way it is. But if you really look at the roster down the line, it's not a deep roster. It's just it's not. So, you know, I just caution people on the Dolphins, not even because I'm talking from the New England point of view. I'm just I'm literally telling you, out of this is that you know they have a brand new head coach, 
and a brand new system that they got to learn with a quarterback that still has really only one year left to prove himself. Yeah, and I, it, one of the, you mentioned social media. One of the funny things I saw the other day is I was on Twitter, which is a cesspool. But anyway, having said that, I'm on Twitter, and people are going gaga because they show a 65-yard touchdown pass from Tua to Tyreek Hill in practice. In practice, we're getting excited about, uh, you know, he makes a good pass in practice. You know, that's – With no pads on. Right? There are no pads. Right, I know. Like, like they do it with every team. I see it with the Eagles. I see it with every single team. I mean, it's like, oh, look at this. Like, And, and, and guess what? Like, people invest their money and gamble on futures bets because of they that. see yeah. that, you know – Tyreek Hill caught a pass in practice. It's like, oh my gosh, I must invest in this. It's it's incredible to me. It is the it is it is it is mind boggling. Uh, and and odds actually move on this stuff. It's crazy. It's so crazy. All right, well, let's, let's now that we've uh, dissed Tyreek Hill uh, properly, let's move on to our <laughs> next receiver. I want to talk about uh, Deontay Johnson signs an extension. Uh, with the Steelers, and it was a big one. Three years, uh, what, $39 million, I think it was. Um, and he basically said, hey, I'm sitting at home and watching what these other receivers are signing for, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I need to get paid. And they paid him. But here's yeah. the question. We go again. It's all well and good, but who's going to throw him the football? Well, that's a great That's a great point. I mean, right now it sounds like, from all intents and purposes, that Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett are not doing very well at Pittsburgh camp. Right, right. And, you know, in, in terms of learning the offense, um, I, I saw a beat writer from Pittsburgh say that Mason Rudolph has a chance to be the starter in Pittsburgh now. Woo. I mean, good God, that's a scary proposition. Uh, but Deontay Johnson has been one of the leading receivers in the league in terms of receptions the last couple of years. He had a, a really rough year a couple of years ago with drops. He like led the league in drops, but he's cleaned that up, and he's a really well-deserving player. I mean, obviously, you look at that contract extension, and you say, that's a nice little contract extension. You know, if, if, if this was 10 years ago, it'd be one of the highest in, in all football, but we obviously have broken through this paradigm with money and receivers, and you know, guys like Kubo Samuel and D.K. Metcalf have just gotten monster deals uh, as part of their contract extensions, and that's and that's kind of thrown a wrench into this whole in this whole market. So, you know, guys that you know, Deontay Johnson is benefiting from the Debo Samuel and D.K. Metcalf extensions is what he's doing, and he he probably deserves somewhere near that, maybe not quite that money, like, but you know, he's definitely not one of the best receivers in football, but he's a good receiver and he deserves the money. Um, news out of uh, uh, Denver, and they they kind of took a bit of a hit um, uh, when their uh, when Patrick tears his ACL. So Tim Patrick is out for the year, and I was surprised to find out I was breaking news to you. But uh, the uh, the Broncos just signed Darius Shepard, who played for a couple of years with the Green Bay Packers. But I guess he had a pretty. I didn't. I have to be honest, and I, maybe you watched it. I did, I did not watch one snap in the USFL. Did you? Not really. Uh, it, it didn't really pique my interest too much. It was It's an okay product, but, you know, I, I hadn't really heard that much about the kid. I knew that he had played, um, when he said the name, I, I knew that he had played for the Packers way back. But, right. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, they're probably just looking for some, for some reinforcements there. I will say that there are two intriguing names that are still on the market. Who's that? Um for free agency, that would be Will Fuller is still out on the market. Is he? Uh, I know that he's injury prone, but he's yep. still a free agent. And and don't forget that Odell Beckham is still on the market. Um, and <laughs> you know you may not get a full uh, season out of him. Yeah, but, but you know that's not a bad guy to have, especially with a lot of young receivers that the Denver Broncos have. You kind of get a pretty good product, and 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 if you pair that guy with Russell Wilson, I think that's pretty good. Honestly. I guess the I guess the thing I would worry about uh, if I'm Denver is because you know, look I think Denver's got a chance to be really really good this year but uh, you know I guess the concern would be with Odell Beckham is how he would fit I mean Odell Beckham's kind of a me first kind of guy and is is he going to be able to uh, you know is he going to be a distraction in bringing those young receivers along rather than a help. 
You, you know why I think you'd be a good fit is because, you know, Nathaniel Hackett uh, is the new head coach there in Denver, and okay. he's been working with Aaron Rodgers for a couple of years. He's been the offensive coordinator on, with the Packers for a few years now okay. That's fair. under Matt LaFleur. And, you know, dealing with a guy like Rodgers, I think obviously, uh, you know, Rodgers calls Nathaniel Hackett the best coach he's ever worked with. Um, and, and to hear that from that kind of a guy, and we know Rodgers has his way of doing things and is, you know, a little bit irritable and, and strange in some ways. But I think Odell would thrive in that because Nathaniel Hackett does a very similar system as Sean McVay, a lot of zone run concepts and schemes. So I think that that might be a spot that Odell actually could really thrive, hmm. especially with them now losing Patrick. They have a lot of diversity at receiver. Uh, and a lot of the receivers like Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, the rest of them. So I think it could be a pretty good fit if Denver wants to spend the money. Oh, and if they have the if they have the cap room, right? Because they still got to extend. They still got to give Russell Wilson a contract extension. Right. Exactly. And that's going to yeah. be a lot of money. Well, one would think, unless Russell Wilson is is willing. Uh, to take less or or to backload something, I don't know, but uh, but you know that's that he's not going to be cheap. We mentioned uh, Deontay Johnson's extension, and we might as well talk about a the mother of all extensions and Debo Samuel, who wanted out of San Francisco and is now going to be staying in San Francisco through twenty twenty five, three years, seventy one and a half million bucks. Uh, it, look, nobody's nobody's worth that kind of money. I don't you know I don't care what you're doing. Uh, but I mean, this guy is really talented, but that is a, that's a, that's a haul uh, that, 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 I, that was way more than I thought he was going to get. Well, when you think about this is that Tyreek Hill on an, on an annual value is getting $30 million a year from Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Okay. So Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel being younger than Tyreek Hill, actually doing more than Tyreek Hill actually probably does in terms of you know, uh, being able to play multiple positions. Right. Um, you know, I don't think that it's that far out of the realm possibility that this money was the $24 million roughly uh, per year. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think it's, a, I think it's a, a fair deal for both sides, honestly, because it's better to lock him up now, have him play this long, and, and can re-sign him later or let him go later because the Niners know that, you know, they do. They did just save a lot of money, or at least they will save a lot of money when Jimmy Garoppolo gets off their books. Right. So, and they'll have Trey Lance for a few years. So they're getting to avoid paying quarterbacks uh, for a good amount of time. So they have the money to spend here, and they still are paying Kittle. They're still able to play Trent Williams and Nick Bosa and guys like that 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 you know need that money. Um, but Debo is part of that equation, and he's a very very vital part of the Cal Shanahan offense and. Even to overpay for, for Debo, he might be the most crucial guy in the offense in terms of just his, his versatility. So I think it's a smart move, and it's, and it's getting ahead of the market before it gets too crazy. Okay. Uh, you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo. Where's he going to go? Where, what's, what's the most likely landing spot for him? Uh, that's a really tough question here. I mean, this is – That's why is, I have you on. Really getting kind of – I know. I mean – we're looking at the Browns now and, and seeing what their situation could be, but it sounds like the Watson thing will resolve itself. So he may not, you know, be necessarily suspended right now. Right. Um, I look at a team like the Giants, possibly. If Daniel Jones really struggles, I think there could definitely be a possibility of Garoppolo, although they did sign Tyrod Taylor as their backup. So that's another pro guy. I have a, I have a, um, I have a, I have a name for you. How about the Washington uh, whatever their names are now, the Commanders. Whatever their names yeah. are, um, yeah, that's basically what we should call them. Um, but the, yeah, maybe. I mean, Wentz would have to really struggle, and they still do have Taylor Heineke. Who I think they trust. Okay. I think Washington is willing to kind of let that go and maybe see if they can get a quarterback next year. You got to remember, there's a ton of quarterbacks coming in next year that are going to be really, really good, and. I just don't know. I mean, maybe Atlanta, you could maybe make a case for that and say he could go down there and play. Um, I don't know. It, it, it looks like the door is really closed, and it might end up that the 49ers just have to cut him. Wow. And eat that wow. money. Wow. Um, another wide receiver signing. This one happened uh, a couple of weeks ago. But Julio Jones, 
joining your boy Tom Brady down in Tampa. Julio Jones, now look, you know, he had a, a miserable year last year. What I think he only played 10 games, caught like 30 passes, something like that. Uh, worst season he's ever had, but he's also been hurt a lot. I mean, he wasn't right last year. He was in, injury-plagued in Atlanta his last year there. He says he's healthy. If he's healthy, my goodness, that, you know, I mean, that is that would be huge. But what do you think he's got left in the tank? I'm not sure. I, I think that he can – I think that he's had lingering hamstring issues for a couple of years. Okay. And maybe, maybe he is fully healthy. I don't know. Can his legs last a full season? That's my question. Um, you know, we're talking about him now in August, and he probably looks great in camp. But can your legs last till December? Right. Uh, and, and that's my concern with Julio Jones is that he is a great talent – He's probably the best receiver we've seen in the last 10 years. Um, but he really just needs to stay healthy. And maybe he can do that. Maybe maybe that he won't have as much pressure to play every snap, or maybe he'll play, you know, 50 to 60% of the snaps because they such, they are so deep at receiver. So he may not have to do that much uh, as far as a load management type of thing for him kind of carry him in the into the deep into the regular season and probably the postseason. So if he's healthy, it's a great target to have another big body receiver like that. Can he separate? Probably not, but he can damn well sure catch the ball in a tight spot. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what Julio has left. But I think uh, I hope that he is not one of these guys that's on his last legs and just gets cut halfway through the year. I really hope that's not the case. Yeah, those are, those are always the moments that, that kind of make you sad. You know, even if you're not a fan necessarily of that team or that guy, you know, any anybody that's, uh, you know, kind of trying to hang on and you see him get cut is it's that you just it makes you sad. Um, so let's get to the team near and dear to your heart, uh, the New England Patriots. And let's talk yeah. about let's talk about wide receivers, because <laughs> I mean, you know, look, I guess the biggest name i mean I, I know jacoby myers was like their leading receiver but i guess the biggest name would be nelson Aguilar, wouldn't he um but he's kind of you know uh, th- this is a I, this is like a team you couldn't pick these guys out of a lineup um and 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 and, and it, you know is is do they have what they need for mac jones to be successful or are we looking at a team that is going to without a doubt, be run first, pass second? Well, there's a couple of facets to this Patriots offense that I've been listening to really every day, hearing about camp and what exactly they're doing. Okay. And what it sounds like to me is one of the things that they've added this year, they did add another wide receiver. They added Devontae Parker. Oh, I forgot about him. That's right. Devontae Parker. Right. Right. So they add him as a true X receiver, meaning – He's really going to be an outside receiver. That's a possession receiver. He's okay. led the league in contested catches over the last couple of years, yep. um, which is great for Mac Jones because he really needs somebody that can catch the ball while covered. And Mac Jones is not afraid to throw that pass. Now, I also say this about Mac Jones. It sounds like Mac Jones is no longer Mr. Mac and Cheese like Cam Newton used to call him. Sounds like he's a little bit more al dente to me and, and, <laughs> and getting really strong. Uh, so he seems like he looks he looks buffer. Like there's no question about it. He looks much, much less punchy than he did when he walked down uh when he walked in the draft. So, you know, there's that. It's it, it's good that he'll have a whole year under his belt. Here's the here's here's what I really think is going on here. Every day we're we're hearing more talk on camp of how the defense is kicking the offense's ass. And, you know, the reason being is because I think Bill Belichick is changing his offense a little bit. I think he's changing that whole offense instead of, and this is an important point, the Patriots generally have been a gap scheme run offense for the last couple of years, Mm -hmm. Uh, meaning that they have a lot of pulling guards, a lot of pulling centers, tackles, what have you, that like to, that's how they run the football. Now what we're hearing is that they are doing something very popular in the league now, and that is moving towards this zone run scheme, which is what Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, 
all these young offensive geniuses in the league are now doing. And that has been very revolutionary in how the league has certainly gone about kind of maybe getting not necessarily away from the passing game, but utilizing the running game in a different way to open up the passing game. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it is a, and the Patriots, we know, love to run the football. We know that. But these receivers, I think, are hand-picked in order to be able to do some more changes with the run scheme. And, and I think it's a very, very fascinating move by Belichick. I think it's not only a move for Belichick to be able to do it in the near future, but I think it's also a move to set his team and organization up for when he's gone. And so that somebody young can come in here and run the offense the way it's supposed to be run, but now that he's changing it, there will be more options for the Patriots in terms of choosing who their next head coach will be. Because with Josh McDaniels gone, I don't know if we can see a guy like Matt Patricia or Joe Judge be the next head coach of this team. So I I, I would be kind of surprised by that. Um, we know they're going to be the next offensive play caller. We know that. So, um, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. It's a fascinating move by, by Belichick. He's doing something that the league has done, and typically when Bill does that, he does it better than anybody. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, before I, I let you go, um, and, and I know he was primarily a, a baseball announcer, but I wanted to bring up the passing of uh, Vince Scully because Vince Scully call, yeah. called one of the uh, signature moments in NFL history. He was the guy on the call for the catch in the 1981 season uh, NFC Championship game when Dwight Clark caught that pass from Joe Montana. That was none other than Vince Scully making that call. So uh, a very versatile, versatile man. And, and it, I, I have to be honest with you, and I watched that game, but I didn't remember that it was Vince Scully making that call until after he had passed away and somebody posted that and I went, oh, my God, I had totally forgotten that he was such a big part of that. I know it was before you were born, but <laughs> it's, still, it's still a big moment in NFL history that a, that a baseball guy was involved in, and that makes my heart very happy. Yeah, and, and you know, it, one of the things I love about, you know, sports is the voices of the sports. And, you know, I think that there's no greater baseball announcer uh, than Vince Scully. And really when Vince Scully retired, um, baseball kind of lost a little bit of that old-timey feel that mm-hmm. it had because mm-hmm. he represented, I mean, gosh, Imagine being 22 years old and being a broadcaster for the Brooklyn Dodgers and being 25 years old and, and calling your first World Series. I mean, that's, those, that's incredible things. Like, and we don't think about that, but he was there for baseball's glory years. Yep. And, uh, and that's something to be said, and he kind of brought a little bit of feel back to the present day. And when he retired, baseball kind of lost some of that. And um, clearly it's lost a lot more with, with the exodus of fans that it's had. And I know that, you know, there's still people out there and, um, but it's, it's been difficult to maintain, but I think Vin clearly in terms of a broadcaster and it, it is one of the greatest of all time. And, 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 you know, even though, even though I'm a football guy and have, and have kind of gone away from baseball the last couple of years, I know the impact of Vin's going at that and not just in baseball, but football, golf, right. other sports like that. He is really uh, really one of a kind and, and a great storyteller, so he will be missed. 67 years calling games for the same Incredible. for the same team. Um, I, w- I was trying to yeah. think, is there, I mean, nobody has ever called games for 67 years, period. I was trying to think of an NFL equivalent, and I'm not, the closest I could come up with might be like Pat Summerall. For, for the NFL. Yeah. Can you think of anybody else that, that, that was that long-tenured? I mean, you know, we can talk about Madden all we want, but he was a color guy. I'm just thinking about a play-by-play guy. Was there anybody any longer than Summerall? I, you know, there were a couple of guys that did it for a really long time uh, with one team, but not necessarily as a national broadcast. I mean, Summerall, of course, you think of him, he did it for a long time, but nowhere near 67 years. I guess Al Michaels, um, maybe? You know, Al, Al Michaels? Al Michaels Al Michaels has done a lot of different sports. 
Um, but he's always and, done football. And he's been doing it since, what, since the 70s? I mean, Something like that, yeah. Since the late 70s? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, he's been around a really, really long time, and he's still going. This year he's going to do the Thursday night game. So um, there's – there's uh, I think Al would be the closest – I think it really comes down to, you know, if you want to talk about the great lore of sports broadcasters, it really comes down to Vin, Al, um, I, I would put Howard Cosell up yeah, there, yeah. obviously. Yep, yep. Uh, and, you know, Kurt, Kurt Jackson, uh, you know, guys like that that are just legendary, legendary player, uh, voices. So, you know, I, Vin has his place, but the one thing that Vin has over anybody else is longevity. Right. And, and the fact that he did it, his late 80s is 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 really incredible i mean you got john sterling he's been doing it forever uh, for the yankees he's uh, getting up there in his stop. 80s but i don't know about 67 years <laughs> stop oh john yeah, sterling dan. please please <laughs> dan thank you I, very I, I, knew I, had to, I had to rip you some way because i know uh, your red Sox are not doing too well no it's been a long year well, if the Yankees don't win the World Series, Aaron Boone's going to be looking for a job. I mean, I think it's. Yeah, I think, I think but it's. You're, you're yeah, Dan, listen. Uh, the first of many. We look forward to having you on uh, every week as we go through the season. Uh, I know, and and by the way, congratulations. I know you're working with the Liberty football team, so congratulations on that. And we'll probably have to tape your. Uh, uh, you. We'll have to tape your appearances for a while, like we're doing with this one. So. Uh, but I hope you have a good time with that. And, and I hope, uh, you know, look, Liberty lost their quarterback, but let's hope they can retool and have another uh, a fun year for you guys. Hey, they, we got a couple of really good ones in the pipeline that are looking pretty solid, so I can't say too much about it. But um, I, I, I will say this. I, I am looking forward to a great NFL season. I'm so happy because I've been – I hate to say this, Gene, but I've been so bored watching baseball. <laughs> I have am very, very happy that football is finally back. I'm sure you are. Thanks, Dan. Dan Zapato here on Sports Country Radio. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll see you on Monday for another edition of The Wake Up Call. For Dan Zapato, I'm Gene Gumps. Thanks for joining us. This is The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.